And so this morning I ask God that you would open our spiritual eyes, help us to hear what you have us to say, what you have to say to us today, and help us to be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so glad that we can be uh, together this morning. Uh, we are going to turn to the scripture, but this morning, before we do, I just want to kind of prep you, talk a little bit about a new subject uh, that we're starting this week. Uh, you see on the screen our stated purpose as a church, our big three, connect, grow, share. We're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, to grow in faith, and to share his love. And next, I'm going to say what is a bad word to many people. Church. Now. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, open up a series about a dirty word, uh, church. A dirty word to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I know that it's gonna come with some prejudice. I know it's gonna come with some bad feelings and some positive feelings. Um, and I would just like to say that, um, uh, there's been different slices of my personal journey that I've shared with you at different, uh, points, but I have not shared with you all of the many, many ways in which the church has hurt me. Um, in fact, people that uh, know me uh, from in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up, uh, would tell you that the journey of my life, the signature, if you will, or the aroma, what it smells like, is forgiveness. Because there's a lot of people that can't believe that I have um, found peace and forgiveness and would still be involved in the church because of how much the church has hurt me. So... The truth of the matter is, though we all have a different life experience, um, I don't know that there would be a negative emotion about church that you might have that I wouldn't have shared at some point in my life. I've definitely spent time of my life hating the church. I've definitely spent time of my life rejecting the church. Um, I've definitely spent a lot of my time uh, not wanting to be anywhere near a church. And so that, that's that been a part of my journey. It's a part of who I am. But this is not a gripe fest this morning. Somebody say, oh, hallelujah, right? This is not a gripe fest. But what I do want to do is I want to open up the Bible. I want to turn to God, our creator and our redeemer, right? That's his name, Yahweh, our creator and our redeemer. And I want to ask God some questions. Because if God has an idea, it's probably a good idea. Well, what? And what I'd like for us to be able to do is to answer some questions. Why? Why the heck would I bother with church? Now, you all have answered that question because you're here, right? Why? Why would I bother? What is a church? What is it? What does it mean to be a part of a church? How can I belong? How can I be part of this church family? Does this sound good? Does that sound like some questions that are worthwhile? Okay, so keep coming, and we'll try to dig in. You don't need to leave yet if you're in for that. So I'd like for us to be able to kind of walk away with some answers to that those questions. But first of all, I just want to kind of hit rewind, if you will, back through this calendar year and give you some context, because what we talk about on Sundays is connected. It, it, it strings together. And whether you use our website, cbcbaltimore.com or iTunes to listen to the morning messages when, as we have today, people out of town, um, sick and whatnot, whenever you have to miss, you can listen to what it is that we're talking about. So you get kind of like a stream of consciousness, if you will. So we started out the year um, talking about prayer. Uh, as we always do at the beginning of the calendar year. But pretty quickly, we started to look at the story of Zacchaeus and his interaction with Jesus. And Jesus' words, I, I'm here to seek and save 
the lost. And that was, that was really how we started 2016, by looking at Jesus. Because if we're going to say that we are Jesus followers, well, we should know what Jesus is up to, right? And from there, we looked at um, a theme of by design, that we are created with design. That God, our creator, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. Before there was a light festival, God said, <laughs> let there be light. And there was light. The same God who said, let there be light, created you with design and with purpose and that there's purpose for your life. But not only is there purpose for your life because you're unique and you're special and you are, but also God is at work. God has a redemptive purpose in the world, in this natural world and in the spiritual world. And there's something for us to join. There's something for us to be a part of. And then we turned from there and we took a look at what Paul wrote to Timothy um, in in terms of you are saved, you are called, and you are graced. Why are those words so important? Those words are so important as we looked at over the week before Easter, what the cross of Christ accomplished, and last Sunday, what the resurrection of Christ accomplished, because Jesus is alive. We are here today primarily because Jesus is alive. And if, if we're going to open up this question, if we're going to ask why church, what, what, what is it? What does it mean? We can't do that without the truth that Jesus is alive. He's walking, he's talking, he's listening. The Bible says he's interceding for you. Did you know that Jesus is praying for you? Before Jesus left the earth, he actually prayed a prayer for all who would yet be born. You know, Jesus is praying for you. That God, the Holy Spirit, loves you. He cares for you. He has purpose in this life. And it is, we cannot cannot even begin to open up the text and discern what a church is and how it works and how it functions and why and why I should be involved with it without saying, Jesus! Jesus is alive. There were people that had an interaction with him. And the truth of the matter is that the word church and the word Christian were actually words that outsiders used to describe Jesus' people. Right? They were words that outsiders used to describe Jesus' people. Now today, uh, I kind of find it uh, funny that in pop culture, the word church is being used in a variety of different ways. There's some people that now like use the word church as like, that's true. Or that was a good experience, like hashtag church, just Google hashtag church, right? Like, that's true, that's right, or I'll see you later. Or, you know, it might be something really different, like it might be a euphemism for something that you're lying about doing, like I, was, I wasn't doing this criminal activity, I was at church. Or, what is church, right? It's a cure for insomnia, just go, you'll fall asleep. Hey, there's not a joke I haven't heard, just try me, right? So in the same way, people use the name of Jesus in different ways. But if we can't unpack who Jesus is and have an encounter, a personal relationship with, and my eyes open to the fact that Jesus is alive and real, then we are wasting our time here. We should be in bed. We should, I have an appointment with Counselor Sheets and the Reverend Pillow. <laughs> that sounds good, right? So Jesus, church, Jesus came 
Right? Jesus had something to say. So if I want to just kind of boil down before we open up the scripture this morning. There were people that had a Jesus encounter. Two Sundays ago, I was talking about James. James, the son of Mary, the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph. James, who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah when Jesus walked the earth. But James, who somehow in that process of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, becomes a believer, and becomes a believer to the extent that he leads the church in Jerusalem, to the extent that he is not willing to say, I don't believe in Jesus, even though they were going to put him to death. And they did, they did, they put James to death because of his belief in Jesus. People like James, people like Lydia, people like Mary, people like Martha, people like Peter, people like Paul, who started off killing Christians and had an encounter with Jesus so much so that on threat of death and ultimately being put to death, they would not recount the name of Jesus. They would not say, no, he's not alive. No, he's not real. That was the degree to which, the level to which they had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And a, a change that was good. A change where they had peace. A change where they had joy. A change where this dirty, nasty, anxiety-ridden life was all of a sudden good. Because these people had an encounter with Jesus. I encourage you, dare you, implore you to read The story of these people. We all can have bad experiences and many, many reasons why we wouldn't want to be part of a church. But should we maybe investigate it for ourselves? So that if you ever choose to come back here on a Sunday morning, or if God moves you to another part of the country, and God moves you into a new church body, so that you have some understanding of, why am I here? What are we doing? So if I were to simplify a very, very simple definition, I want to unpack this. A church... And the, the word ecclesia from the Greek and the New Testament, it, it certainly is, it's used over a hundred times and it, it, at times it is used to, to describe just a specific gathering. At times it's even used to describe all believers of Jesus at all times and at times it's even used to describe a building. But for the most part, this word, this is what this means. As you see on the screen, new people following Jesus together. New people following Jesus together. And kind of like when we unpacked the letter to the Ephesians and, and the way that the first half of the letter, it, it's kind of all a verb, right? The first half is primarily about a state of being and the second half is really primarily about actions. Well, being a mini-Jesus, a, a, a mini, you know, Jesus mini-me, being, a, a, which is what people call Christians, right? To make fun of people that are Christians because they act like Jesus. Christians was not used as a bad word for people that say there's something they're not, but Christians was a word that was used to make fun of people that were like Jesus, actually like him. In the same way, this definition is kind of a verb and we have a state of being and we have action. New people. So by new people, and I'm using that word specifically, it's because uh, that Jesus made, made it very clear that in Him there is new life. 
life more abundantly. In Him, you are made completely new. The old is gone. The new has come. I can put off the old and put on the new. Uh, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians there, I am a new creation. Right? New people, born again people, as Jesus described to a religious leader, the spiritual truth from John 3, Jesus kind of unpacking what born again means. New people. So the church, and it certainly should be all inclusive, everyone is welcome to come, right? Everyone is welcome to come. But if we were to define the church and what what God's view, and we were to kind of synthesize and boil down what we see in the scripture, the ecclesia, the family of God, then we would have to say that though there might be people on the outskirts that are curious, that are learning more, that the church itself is people that have been made new, right? There's a regeneration. There is a salvation experience. They have been saved from the penalty of the sin in the past. They are redeemed. They are purified in their sin right now. And that, especially for white American Christians, we have come to view that as an individual thing when that's really not how the text is written. As you've heard me refer to in Ephesians, it is you all. In fact, your redemption and your salvation is actually interdependent with others and is very much connected with others in your present. And yet God is also redeeming your future. So it's new people following Jesus together. And we're going to take a couple weeks to unpack this. And this is actually what you might call our membership class. So you, if you, this Sunday, next Sunday, and we'll do an, another one. If you, once you've heard all of these, you meet with Rebecca and I, we'll sit down and talk about any questions that you have and help you understand uh, what that means for you ultimately. Then you're part of the family. That's how that works. And we do this every so often where we just take a couple of uh, Sundays to just kind of unpack who we are and what we believe. Jesus people, I should turn to read the story of those that were gathered around. The the word church actually also includes people that are gathered, people that are organized in their gathering, people that are called out from. Remember that we called out word we've talked about before? People that are gathered around Jesus, his love, his purpose, people that are called out from a culture for a specific purpose. They view their lives as though they have a specific purpose. And really the the picture of the body, the way that the body works together, and a spiritual family are the pictures that we get in Scripture about the way that the church should should look. And if there's any group on the face of the earth that should be accessible and warm and welcoming to people who have been pushed down, ostracized, um, the underdog, it should be the Christian church. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. So let's... Let's just unpack new people, just real quick, okay? I'm going to pull from John chapter 1 and verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, To all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. What do we see in that equation, right? In that equation in the verse, we say, Believe, right? Believe Jesus that He is who He said He is, that it's true, plus receive I receive his love, I receive his new life, equals I become. That's where the state of being engages, right? 
I believe, I receive, and then I become. And that's where what the church is made up from has its origin point. Now, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, which you also see on the screen there, is the catch-all where Matthew describes this is the message that Jesus was teaching everywhere that he went. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent and turn. Jesus taught that. So there is a life change. You're, you're, there is a, a point of demarcation. There is a, my life used to be this way and now it is this way. And so I have the explanation on the screen there above the passage from Matthew that by turning away from our sin and turning to Jesus, we are provided an opportunity to be new. So Jesus people, there is a a point of, I have had an interaction with Jesus, I relate to Jesus, I'm hungry to learn more about Jesus, I am actively making an attempt to follow Jesus. So when I come to church, that's what I should find, because that's what the church is. It's Jesus people, right? New people. There's a new birth. There's a new life. Not doing life the way that I used to. Not trying to prove that I am. Not good because of who I am or where I was born or what my neighborhood education or economics or how much I earn or what what value I put out into the world, whether or not I do garbage cleanups or plant trees, right? It's not people that are, I'm proving that I am and I'm becoming better that way. No, it's I am new and I am good because of Jesus. There's one way that I like to look at it as an all-inclusive, like everybody is welcome. Like, there's a bumper sticker on a car right around the corner here that says, plant trees. Well, if there's anybody that should welcome people that plant trees and that love trees and want to preserve trees more than anything else, it should be Christians, right? Because God said, let there be light. God, God created the trees, right? So a Christian church should not be a church where people that love trees feel unwelcome. Some of you are feeling a little nervous. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. (laughs) Now, that said, God also gave Adam and Eve work to do before sin entered the equation. He said, be fruitful, multiply, like make dominion, do stuff with this, you know, manage, right? Plants and Cain and Abel, like he gives them, you got to manage the plants, the, the, the plant matter as well as the animals, right? So the first time that human beings cut down a tree and used it to build a house, I think God was like, yeah, you, it took you a while, but you finally figured out that I made that stuff and that you can do stuff with it. So a church should also be a place where people that want to cut down the trees are welcome. Right? Because I believe that the the way that we use plant matter for medicines, dirt, right, minerals, like we've, we've created glass using sand as one of the ingredients. God created the stuff with stuff in it, with stuff in our brains, with creativity to be able to process and discover The journey of enjoying God's creation is one of joyful discovery. So a Christian church should be welcoming those that want to plant the trees and the ones that want to cut them down. Are you starting to get the vibe? Right? So there was a point of salvation. There was a point of salvation. Now, what did, what did these people 
that had a point of salvation, what did they do? Okay, well, they made a public statement of their faith. They made it public. Jesus' cousin John was leading people to God, to the kingdom of God, and to a point of receiving new life, being forgiven of sins, right? With a public statement where you, with your actions, draw a line in the sand and say, "I the old is gone, the new has come. I believe in Jesus. And the way, and you see the references on the screen, Matthew 3.16, where this is when Jesus himself was water baptized. Matthew 3.16. And what we see in the response, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read that section in just a second, water baptism was a part of the equation. Now, it actually didn't need to happen at church or in a church building. It could happen in the river. Anyone ready for the Chesapeake? Not today, right? It could be in a bathtub, a horse trough, or whatever, but there was an immersion of water. Let, let me read what's on the screen. A public confession of your faith in Jesus. Immersion, that's dunking, in water as a symbol of identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. A sign of death to your old life and a resurrection into your new life. Listen, God loves you. And I don't know what you've been taught in your past, but I believe that this is the truth. And I believe that if you haven't been water baptized yet, you need to be. You need to be. If you're going to call yourself a Jesus follower, you need. it's time for it to be public. It's time for you to have a day in your life where you say, the old is gone, the new has come, Jesus is who I'm following. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's simple. But it is a way where on the inside of you, you're getting real. And if it doesn't mean anything to you, then it didn't mean anything to God. You're sprinkled as a baby, or you're as, as a little kid at some point in your life where you went through it for somebody else because somebody else was putting pressure on you. You need to be baptized again. If you've been involved in that ceremony and it didn't mean anything to you, you need to do it again. Because it's between you and Jesus. It's not about the people that are watching. They're there to say, hey, we're for you. We're going to support you. We're going to help you. It's a family thing. But if it doesn't, just like fasting, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. It's between you and Him. Now we also see the Holy Spirit baptism. which Where the Holy Spirit comes, God the Holy Spirit, spiritual strength and spiritual guidance. And Jesus talks about that in John 14. Now we've gone pretty deep into this, but this is what we see that was going on with people in the church. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and get a description of what actually happened, okay? So in your Bible, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts chapter 2, the Acts of the Apostles. What I'd like to do is I'd like to start in verse 37, and we'll just read this section so that you can get a glimpse yourself of what was actually happening, okay? Acts chapter, if you need a Bible, there's, uh, I don't see them on the table. Normally we have some extras. I think everybody's okay though. All right. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 37. Okay, so Peter is speaking publicly because people had observed that he and the other followers of Jesus had received power from God. There was an obvious difference. There was something going on. 
and they were, he started to talk about Jesus. He started to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus and about sin and the repentance of sin. And so they said to Peter, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him, to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Wow. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to that church, to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now I say amen to God's word. And personally, I don't believe that this is just a description of what occurred at one point, And now we just attend an event to identify with what happened at that one point. I believe this is also prescriptive to us of what we should do and how we should follow Jesus. And I believe that the same God that was alive on that day is alive today. You can agree, it's okay. I believe that the same God that was alive on that day is alive today. Believe that. So I can unpack. Well, let me, let me describe it like this. Jesus described God like a good father. Like a father so good, we can't even fully identify with him. Right? Because we haven't seen a father that good on earth. So I'm not that good of a dad. But I'm okay. Now, when I give my kids gifts, I've got a reason. I love them, and depending on the gift, I might have a reason for the gift. I believe that when God gives us a gift, He's got a reason. So, for example, for example, I gave our kids bicycles, right? Now, is that because I'm a bad dad? Or a good dad? I think that, that some of God's gifts that he gives to us are kind of like a bicycle because depending on what kind of um, kid you are, at first a bicycle might seem a little bit intimidating. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that is. Um, if, if, you, if you've ever seen that YouTube about different things that scientists can't explain exactly how they work, the bicycle is one of them. Scientists still can't fully describe how a bicycle works. But any kid can hop on one and ride it, right? So... We can look at God's gifts sometimes and be intimidated. Or maybe we've seen somebody else fall and hurt themselves. Or maybe we fell and we hurt ourselves. And so we can have bad emotions that we can attach to some of God's gifts. But at the end of the day, God gives us gifts because he's a good father. And they're gifts that are there for our benefit. So weird stuff like water baptism and communion and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I said it. 
weird stuff. Like water baptism and communion and the Holy Spirit. Those are good gifts for our benefit. For a good reason. Now, I can be intimidated by the power of a bicycle and the the potential dangers of a bicycle, but I'm never going to know the joy of riding a bicycle if I don't get on it and use it the way it was intended. Right? The church is the same way. I can look at it from a distance. I can be intimidated. I can have a bad experience and walk away. Or I can believe that my Father gave me a good gift for a good reason for my benefit and I can use it the way it was intended to be used. In in Portland, we have a lot of bicycle messengers. You can even earn a living with a bicycle. I'm sorry. That was very traumatic. So, let me just... This is... Step one, the church should be Jesus people, right? New people following Jesus together, together. And that should include the essentials of salvation, of new life. So let me just unpack this real quick before we go. That's where we get this phrase. We're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. I believe that in the passage of Scripture we just read from Acts 2 that we see all of those things. I also believe that we see this. We connect by gathering on weekends for worship to receive and respond to His love. See, we see in the church there in Acts 2, they gathered in big gatherings and in small gatherings. We grow by meeting in small groups for prayer learning, and sharing life. They shared life together. Did you notice that they had communion in their homes? Right? You can do that. We share by living like Jesus and sharing His love every day and everywhere. There's actions. It's a state of being and actions. This is what what a church is. So this is what I see. Okay? When several years ago, God began to breathe into... Rebecca and myself about moving to Baltimore to start a church from scratch. Well, we didn't have our ideas. We went to the scripture for God's ideas for what a church should be. And this is what we see. It's on the screen here. We see a church loving Jesus in a way people talk about. We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. Not in me, not in this building, not in our gathering. Well, it can happen at our gatherings, but in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place they fit. Everyone. We see a church serving the city with love that works. That's what we see. That's what we see our church becoming. So, we are new people following Jesus together. That's our purpose. That's what we're here for. That's what the church should be. That's what the church should look like, smell like, sound like. That's what people should accuse us of. 
Right? Doesn't that make sense? Now, the truth of the matter is, you get out of it what you put in. You can show up and be at arm's length. You can show up, I don't know that I really belong. I'm not really sure this is my family. I don't, I don't really like it. I only come because of da-da-da. God gives good gifts for our benefit. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus leads the church for its benefit. Jesus leads the church. How many of you are ready to let go of living just to make yourself happy and step into new life for something that's bigger than you? Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer.